Hello, my friends. Nick Labretti here for JRCigars.com, and today we have a very special guest in studio. I know you probably can't tell us apart right now because we're wearing very similar clothes, but in reality, <laughs> sitting next to me is the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Herklotz, uh, founder, CEO, and main brainchild of Fedio Tego. So, How about Michael, it? thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Really yeah, man, my it. pleasure. I'm gonna uh, take off CEO. Okay. We don't have any fancy titles. I think with two people, you aren't allowed to have any C's. You know what I mean? I mean, <laughs> that's true. You know, it's just they got a point. So it's just you. So so let's. There's so much to, uh, to talk about here, especially because you yourself, not just the brands that you're working with, the brands that you're creating, but you yourself are so rich in cigar history. And I think that you're a very familiar face at a lot of events, a lot of the big, you know, industry events, TPE, PCA. So for those, uh, you know fans of ours, you know, all five of them, um, who might not know you or your origins. Why don't you give us a little bit of background on the, the, the tale of Mike Herklotz from, from your youth, how you got to where you are today, and then the rest of the time I want to talk about the amazing work you're doing right now. Sure. Um, let me try and just do it as quickly Reader's Digest mm. version as possible. Um, I uh, grew up in Northeast Connecticut. Mm. Um, I have a twin sister, uh, two very loving parents, and um, my whole kind of um, focus and plan as a young man was to be a musician. I'm a drummer. Um, I did music all through high school. I went to Berklee College of Music in Boston. I have a degree in, in uh, drum set performance, oh, wow. which is actually a, a, a thing. Um, it, <laughs> It qualifies you yeah. to do nothing. My, my roommate went to Emerson, so like I know all about like, right. like different things you can major in. So uh, drum set performance degree, um, very helpful in the real world, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And uh, while I was at Berkeley studying, I enjoyed a cigar for the first time. Mm -hmm. My roommate uh, turned me on to it. And, uh, do you remember what it was? Sure, of course. Uh, first of all, his name is Chris Brown. He'll probably watch this because he's still a big cigar guy. Not the... Musician, singer, Chris Brown. No, the real Chris Brown. Okay. The, the, the real the OG Chris Brown, Chris Brown. From Pittsburgh. All right. Um, he turned me on. We went to a uh, uh, cigar bar on Newbury Street in Boston called Cigar Masters. This was 1998. So, mm. I mean, cigar industry, cigar boom was in full force. Right. And um, I smoked an Ashton Classic Panatella. Ah. And it was... It was a flavor I had never experienced. That's it was a, a fancy, like, first cigar. Well, like, technically, that's... it was his. Okay. I mean, I just had a puff or two. Right. But it was the first premium cigar I ever tasted. Mm. And, um, you know, as any artist that, that tries anything, the, the, the moment that you feel that little spark of interest, you just go straight down the passion rabbit hole. Right. Um, which, in 1998, was not an easy rabbit hole to go down. Right. Um, and so I, I, I started trying to go to as many shops as I could and events and, and, you know, the internet was kind of in its infancy at that mm. time. Uh, but Cigar Aficionado had a website. There were these bulletin boards and forums and uh, I, just, I just kind of wanted to go all in and learn about it because mm. I was excited about this kind of new hobby. But I also realized I couldn't afford it yeah. because I was a broke college kid. <laughs> Um, and so the, the next best thing I could think of was to try and get a job selling cigars. Cause I figured at least I'd be able to get a discount. Right. And, um, so I got this job at this little kiosk 
in the Prudential Center Mall. Uh, there was a kid that worked there that lived on my floor in the dorms, mm -hmm. and he was graduating. His name was Phil, and I was like, Phil, I know you're graduating. You got this job at the cart. Can I get your job? And he introduced me to the owner, and lo and behold, I got the job, and away we went. So I kind of ran that cart. It ended up getting sold. The guy that bought it put me what in charge. Do you know, remember what you were selling? Were they like actual brands? Were they unbanded? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, it, was it was like a regular, regular brand. Yeah, everything. Ashton, uh, Cohiba, Romeo, Hoya de Monterey, Punch, uh, El Rey del Mundo, hmm. Davidoff, Avo, Griffins. Oh, all right. You know, everything. All the, all the brands. Um, and then we had a little thing of lighters. We had a little a couple humidors, some cigar cases, all in this little cart that like folded back up on itself. Yeah. And it was great. Um, so the cart sold to someone else. I ended up uh, becoming the manager. And then I hired all my friends to work in the cart too. Yeah. And it was great. And we closed in uh, 2001, actually just before 9-11. Um, and then I, I was going to take some time off because by that time I was really working a lot as a musician. Mm. And, um, you know, music was plan A. So I, I just said, you know, that was really fun, but I'm, I'm going to go all in music. Um, but I really kind of missed working in the, in the business. So I ended up getting a job um, at another store in Boston called Gloucester Street Cigar Company. And I worked there for just about a year until I graduated. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to New York in 2002 to be a drummer. So you, you moved to New York with the full intention of the music. That, that was still your priority. 100%. But I also, I wasn't delusional to think that I was just going to move to New York and be a rock star. Be the next John Bond. Right, right. Um, and fortunately, the manager of the Davidoff store on Madison Avenue, I knew him. Um, he was a Boston guy originally. And uh, when I would come to New York, while I lived in Boston, I would go visit him at Davidoff Madison Ave. Mm -hmm. So he always said, hey, when you move here, let me know. I'll hire you here for sales. So fortunately, I had a job that I could start when I moved to New York. I started working at Davidoff Madison Avenue as a salesperson. And I did that job for four years, 2002 to 2006. Then in 2006, uh, Davidoff bought a store on the west side in Columbus Circle. And they um, moved me there as the general manager. In 2008... Um, David Kitchens, who was the general manager at Madison Avenue, left to take a new position at Holtz, and they made me the GM of both stores in 2008, and I did that until 2011 when Nat Sherman recruited me uh, to Nat Sherman. And that was a cool opportunity because it was no longer just retail, but it was really, um, it was the whole shooting match. Right. Um, and I think we talked about that maybe even in our last interview, so I don't want to go too far into it, but... Um, it was a great opportunity to really do something completely different and build a brand kind of back. Mm. Um, you know, the, the Sherman family were, uh, they are wonderful people, but they were very honest with um, where the brand was at the time in 2011. They recognized that it needed some help and they wanted me to just run with it and do it. And that's exactly what we did with their blessing and with their support. We all worked together and we created the Timeless uh, collection in 2011, 2012. Um, that grew into, you know, multiple blends over the years. We maintained the Metropolitan uh, selection over those years and added to it over time. We added accessories. We rebuilt the store. We built a 
wholesale business. We had representatives all over the country. We were in 1,250. So the fan stores. reaction to kind of this, while you were still maintaining the old brands, you were able to get. Sorry, bro. Thank you. Um, you were able to garner like a whole new demographic because you know the the timeless, and then I know you guys did the Pan American. A lot of these brands were very much outside of the Nat Sherman, you know, nor normal. Well, so you were, you know, how how hard was it kind of breaking into a, a different, you know, group, if you will? Normal is only relative to your first, um, your first moment of awareness of a brand. Hmm, that's so true. for when I started, the brand was 80 years old. That created a the impression of a huge hill to climb mm. um, to change people's perceptions of an 80-year-old brand. But what I didn't necessarily anticipate is how many new people were discovering the brand in the moment that I arrived right. and in all the moments after. And so even though there was this very steep hill to climb to change the perception and the preconceived ideas of what Nat Sherman was in that moment, we were also introducing it fresh to new people every day. And suddenly that, that hill began to get um, less steep, but the elevation continued to get higher as more and more people were just discovering Nat Sherman as Timeless Collection. Mm -hmm. uh, and that presented really um, uh, an amazing opportunity to, to create a new Nat Sherman for this new generation. You were able to adapt, which I think is really important. A lot of companies that kind of, you know, made their bones, you know, not maybe not 80 years old, but maybe made their bones in the early days of the boom or in the 80s. They were not able to adapt or if they tried to adapt to the kind of more modern industry, they, they, they would fail. But Nat Sherman was one. And, and I'll be honest, I, I kind of view it the same as you did. I, I respected the Nat Sherman cigars. I sold a lot of the Hobarts and, and the Metropolitan selection when I was first working in the store here. But when the Timeless came out, I'm like, oh, this is a whole new thing. And not only is it a new thing, they did it right. This wasn't like, we're going to slap some cool packaging on this, but it's going to be a, a whatever. It was uh, done incredibly well. Here's something I... I I will say, and it's a. I think it was a core to the Nat Sherman philosophy. I think it was there before I got there, but it was also core to my own philosophy, and certainly remains core even now. If you are going to take the time to develop something and release it, you damn well better be thoughtful about right. it, right? And make sure that you can answer why when someone asks the question. Why are you releasing this? What role, what purpose does this product serve? If you can't answer that thoughtfully, you probably shouldn't release it because it can't compete with what's already there. Right, exactly. And whether it was Timeless Collection from Dominican, which is now the Prestige, or from Nicaragua, now the Supreme, those played very specific roles in the moment that they were released. They filled holes or voids in the humidor even Sterling and Panamericana, those those were very deliberate. Sterling especially, very deliberate in filling a hole that was left vacant in the industry that we were able to come in and say, this is where this product lives. Right. As opposed to looking at the competitive arc of what everyone is doing and saying, oh man, 60 ring gauges, oh man, Lajero heavy, 60 ring gauges, Lajero heavy, Nicaraguan right. puros, let's go, let's go, let's go. That, 
you're, yeah, you're, why are you're we going to start 12th in line? It doesn't make any sense. No, you, you guys are, are, are taking some aspects of where you see the trends are going, but you're putting them together in a thoughtful way. You're not running and gunning. Um, and it worked out. I mean, I remember going to the Nat Sherman store not that long ago, six, maybe six, five, six years ago. And I believe the Pan America at the time was a TAA only release. Yeah. And they gave me one to, to try. And I'm like, oh, man, like this is it was it was top tier, you know, even at the time. And this is when a lot of these companies really started making noise six, seven years ago. I mean, Crown Heads was kind of in, in full flux. Foundation was just starting out. So my palate was really shifting towards these more full flavored, but well balanced, you know, like people who really know what they're doing. And that's what I found in the Pan America. And that became one of my favorites. I mean, you used my favorite word, which is balance. Regardless of the blend, you need balance. And you can have the mellowest, creamiest, silkiest experience, or you can have the fullest, richest, earthiest, spiciest experience. But you need that balance and grace in every blend. Right. That's something I believe in, really, with every single project I've ever done. Now, I'm going to ask you. Now, obviously, this, this seems like it's a common sense philosophy, but did you pick a lot of this up when you were working at Davidoff? Because I remember um, when I was working in the store here, and every once in a while they would get a rep from one of the big companies on a Saturday morning before we opened, and they would do a tasting with us. They would explain everything. And I remember I must have been 21, 22 years old, and some gentlemen from Davidoff came, and they were handing out some – this was right when we started carrying Davidoff in the store. And they were like, remember, it's all about balance. Like we, They were the first ones that put in my mind that you don't need – you can have a mellow cigar that's still full flavored. Like they were really harping. So I'm wondering if you kind of picked up some of the stuff from Davidoff as well, or is this just stuff you picked up in the industry? You know, I, you know it's hard to pinpoint, you know, the origin of it. Um, I certainly consider myself a, a devout student of Davidoff. Mm. Uh, now Davidoff, of course, has evolved too as a company. Yeah. But if you think of my my time with Davidoff was 02 until 11, and obviously a, as a as a consumer and a fan before that, um, you know, it was, it was a moment in time where they had light bodied to full bodied, but all within that kind of creamy world. Right. Um, balance was sort of that underlying, uh, word mouthfeel. Um, you know, Hanky was one of the, the folks that really kind of, illuminated the idea of balance not in flavor but in condition yeah um and impact um so i it, i'm sure that's probably where it began right. um but considering impact uh considering balance as a consumer is a different um process than considering balance as a blender as a manufacturer right it takes a a very different role and a different way of thinking because I'm not just thinking about what I'm experiencing, but suddenly I have the responsibility of trying to consider what everyone uh, would experience. Right. And so that, that becomes a slightly different approach to what balance is. Yeah. That's, that's why I have to give such credit to, to guys such as yourself, you know, some of my favorite blenders, um, you know, Nick Dion, who are able to, you know, obviously they, they'll have their signatures on it where, you know, they're, they're, it's still related to their preference, but to take themselves out of it because, uh, you know, this I want to attract a wider range of people. So it's much different to 
blend cigars for your company as opposed to just picking, oh, I like to have this one taste. I like how this one feels. It's, I always said it was a science. It's, it really takes a scientific mind, but also an artistic one to really get these blends um, perfected in the way that you guys do. So now you've made a, a huge impact at Nat Sherman. Now we come to past couple years. Nat Sherman obviously owned by you know, a bigger conglomerate and you know, there, there's changes in the works. Feel free to expand upon that as you will. Sure. Um, Nat Sherman, the whole company. So Nat Sherman was a premium cigar business, Nat Sherman International. The townhouse, uh, which was our flagship retail store, lived under the Nat Sherman International side of the company. Nat Sherman was a cigarette business, uh, very high-end cigarettes, just tobacco, water, paper. Um, and we were acquired, Nat Sherman was acquired in 2017 by Altria. Um, which is the parent company of Philip Morris USA, mm -hmm. largest tobacco company in the United States of America. And obviously they bought us for our cigarette business primarily, right. but they got the whole thing. And, and um, you know, it's certainly added a level of authenticity and, and uh, premiumness to the story of what made Nat Sherman Nat Sherman. Um, we grew under Altria, had a very successful business, but in 2019, um, Altria decided that really long-term premium cigars was not core to their vision. Mm -hmm. um, and collectively, we agreed that rather than just close the company, um, let, let's try and sell Nat Sherman International. So everything but the cigarette side. Um, and we did that and we worked very hard th through from fall of 2019 into 2020. And fortunately, we found uh, a few very qualified buyers that would continue the work, preserve the legacy, mm -hmm. and came down to one preferred, engaged, um, really uh, were, were largely done with the process, and uh, then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And um, that obviously required um, any prospective buyer to pump the brakes in order for them to triage their own business right. in a pandemic, never mind uh, Taking out a buy, new buy a new one. And as time went on, it just became uh, harder and harder to find a buyer that had the bandwidth to bolt on an existing entity while trying to triage their own. And so ultimately we had to make the difficult choice to say, okay, we did everything we could. We need to just close the business and move on. So we made that decision in um, July of 2020 and um, ultimately put the key in the door in uh, middle of November, 2020. That was heartbreaking, I will say. For, for I mean, I can't even imagine for you, but for me, and I've only been to the Nat Sherman store, you know, maybe two or three times, maybe four, but that was heartbreaking for so many people because it stood as such a symbol um, in New York City, it was just—it was the classic place to go. Um, but now, I'm trying to get the timeline here. So this is—that's July of 2020 is when you decide. So you close everything November of 2020. So and in that time, we we did what I affectionately call a dignified liquidation. Yeah. Um, so you know, on the wholesale side, we had wholesale inventory, and we found retailers who wanted to. Um, take a bigger position. We gave them favorable pricing because they had customers that still wanted the products. Right. You know, there's nothing wrong with the cigars. Right. No. And, and, and you guys didn't lose like one, it, it had nothing to do with sales or down. It had nothing to right. do with that. So you still had a very dedicated wide fan base. Right. And we wanted, you know, it, it was actually, um, there was something a bit cathartic to be honest with you 
going out of business in the time that we were going out because a lot of people, uh, let's face it, it was the worst time in American history almost, right. certainly in the, in the modern history. And we had something that folks wanted and we had the ability to deliver it to them at a better price in a moment when pricing mattered. Yeah. Retailers were were closed. They needed to get back on their feet. And here was a perfect product that they could bring in at better pricing and sell and make a little more money. You also had at the time when we reopened the store, no one was in the city. But you know who was in the city? Essential workers that were yeah. coming to work every day. When we reopened the doors and started discounting on the way out, we had a line of New Yorkers out the door. We had sanitation trucks and ambulances and NYPD paddy wagons in the bus lane in front of the store. <laughs> and they were scooping up products. I love when New Yorkers come out back. to support. I love Bro, it. But it wasn't just to support. We were also supporting them. Exactly. Because they got to buy cigars, MTA. I mean, they got to buy cigars at discounts. These guys were working, you know, double, triple shifts. And we were able to deliver them what they really wanted, which was like, you know, a joyful moment. Yeah, a, a one hour of everything it else. It was is, is so, done. you know, it was heartbreaking, but it was also like, what a great New York story yeah. to go out that way. The only, the, the real heartbreaker was that for so many people, under any other circumstances, let's say we were going out of business, we would have been throwing parties and like people would have been able to come in and do one last walkthrough. Right. And we couldn't do that. It was like it was like saying goodbye to a loved one who was dying, but you couldn't be there with them. Which a lot of people suffer through. But I, I also, I, I think I like this story better. I like the kind of dignified, we're going to go out giving back in some way. I, yeah, I really, and let I me like tell that. you, man, we went out, the, the whole team, we went out held, head held high. And everyone that walked in got... Nat Sherman level of service, even when literally there was like two shelves left of product. And I'll never forget, it was before we were opening and it kind of, you know, stuff was kind of all over the place. And uh, I was like, guys, it's 15 minutes till open. Like, let's get, let's get shop ready. And we just kind of like laughed at each other. And everyone, we started cleaning the glass, polished the few lighters that were left, Lined the humidor with the few cigars that were left, made everything look great, then opened the door and everyone got Nat Sherman service right till the end. That is something that does ring true that I, I very much remember from all my times at the townhouse is the service at Nat Sherman was exempt. It should be a template for all cigar lounges going forward. I remember one day we went in there to film like a few different lounges we went to. I think it was, da I know it was Davidoff store. I'm pretty sure it was Madison Avenue. We went to Nat Sherman. We went to Cigar Inn before we, yep. uh, before we owned it. And we went to Nat Sherman first. We had called him like, hey, we're from JR. We want to come stop by. I'm pretty sure I was there that I day. I think you might have been. I can't even imagine. They had no idea who I was and they acted like I've been a regular there for years. They treated us with such respect. They, they were efficient. Oh, do you need this? Oh, let me light that for you. Hey, we don't usually let people over here, but let me come show you this thing. It, it was, I spent it was a lot of time talking about service throughout my career and but it it doesn't ring any more true than today when a consumer opts to walk in a door if if you have a brick and mortar establishment 
you are compelled to over-deliver on service mm -hmm. because there's nothing that I can't buy today on this. Right. Not, not a thing. Sitting in a chair, sitting on the toilet, whatever it is, I can buy a car, I can buy a house, I can buy cigars. There's nothing I can't acquire just with this little device. So how on earth could you allow a customer who's elected to walk in your door, how can you allow them to serve themselves? How can you not greet them and thank them from the moment they walk in your door? How do you not do that? This is, this is so what I've been saying for years. I mean, I was such a stickler for top customer service when I worked in, in retail. It's such an important part because like you said, and this, this even goes back 10 years ago. I mean, you know, online was, was just as big, even, maybe even bigger, you know, 10 years ago um, to some extent. But I'm like, when they come in here, they're going to remember who I am. They're going to remember the experience they had here. And that's what's going to get. Them. And that holds true for me today. If I go to a Starbucks and someone is really bubbly and nice, I'm like, all right, I'm going to come back to this Starbucks tomorrow. Just because they went, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> a little extra. They didn't give me any free food or free drink. They just provided me a much more pleasant experience. And in a, Listen, a world like today, it's free that food, free drinks is is worthless. Yeah. It's free. There's no it you literally take something that is worth something and you've diminished it to free. Right. That's not what people want today. No. People want to get their money's worth. And if you can over deliver on that value, even better. But free is is worthless and i'm not about worthless if i this is a contract you know you come in i have something you want you're going to pay me for that but i'm going to over deliver in that experience that it right. takes from the moment you walk in to the moment you walk out and people don't realize that that adds you know value is not always monetary value is Listen, you know, value here, is here, time. Yeah, time, exactly. The, the exchange of goods, but also the level of service I'm providing you and the attention that I'm providing you, the time I'm giving you, that's where the value is. In, to me, in that's, that is luxury. Luxury is not, a, is not a thing. It's the time it took to make it. Right. And it's the time you spend with it. That's the luxury piece. It's not just the item. It's $1,000. It's $20,000. It's So what? That's not... That's not luxury. That's a thing. What makes that thing luxury? Is it the materials? Is it the, is it the, the time a watchmaker took to put each jewel in hand and thing on? Okay, now you're telling me a story. Time equals luxury. Every time I wear this watch, that feels luxury to me. Right? I you need to write a it. book, Mike. You need to write a book. Time is luxury is one of the, one of the better quotes I've heard. That, that really well, says a lot. In order to write a book, I need the luxury of time. And at the yeah. moment... I don't you don't have, have that, that which brings us to, so we're going to transition now into, well, first I got to say from, I'm not going to call myself an, I'm going to call myself an industry insider and I'm barely even that, but when you're pretty the, inside, bro, I mean, I'm, I'm on the, I'm, I'm around, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the doorman. I'm, I'm, you know, I know the people inside, but I'm mostly just, you know, checking people's IDs. Uh, but when they announced that natural was closing, then it finally closed. Of course, there was a lot of disappointment. A lot of you know people were upset. You know, it was Nat Sherman. We we had all grown up with this brand, but then there was a lot of talk about where's Mike Herklotz gonna go? What's he gonna do? You were, and I've said this. Chris can verify. He he was number one draft pick. Like he could write his ticket 
anywhere. Is he going to go back to Davidoff? Could he go to Drew Estate? Could he do this? Could he do, could he start his own retail? Could he go take over another retail? What is Mike going to do? It was almost like, like, like Michael Jordan in the last dance. Like, what's, what's Jordan going to do next? And out of all the, and you probably had safer options than starting a brand. You probably could have gone to a handful of companies who would love your expertise, your personality, your know-how, and you would have thrived there. But you wanted to do something different and you wanted to make something your own. And so we come to Fede Otego. Take us through the story of, of the moment you realized this is what I wanted to do. I own, so Ferry Otego is the Herklotz family motto. And it's on our, our family coat of arms. If you go to our website, you can see the, the coat of arms. It's on my ring. I've always just loved that those words together. They feel so strong. Um, the image is Hercules striking the Hydra and winning. Just I've always loved it. It's always resonated with me. And years ago, um, I registered it as a trademark. Just for fun. I, right. I was thinking, you know, maybe someday down the road I'll do something with it. Um, when Nat Sherman closed, I feel very fortunate that um, the cigar industry is such a generous industry. Mm. And I had, my phone was ringing off the hook, not with offers. In fact, I really, I did not get very many offers at all and i'm not even sure i've ever said that publicly but i really didn't get offers that surprised but, 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 I, I, but what i got me. was a lot of support right so i had lots of manufacturers and f friends i mean whatever call and say hey are you good what do you need what are you thinking about we had lots of conversations no one said uh hey i've got this open position if you're mm -hmm. interested it was much more just I had a lot of really great friends that bothered to call me and say, are you good? What are you thinking about? And it really, um, they became just kind of thinking partners. Uh, now, through all those conversations, of course, we thought about scenarios within their organizations, scenarios on my own. I contemplated leaving the business and doing something you know, outside of cigars entirely. Uh, just all weighing all the options. Editor for GQ was that one of them? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, but just be just having um, diversity of of opinion and thought from people I love and trust that I've worked with for twenty years was great. Um, and ultimately, I was um, encouraged by just about everyone I spoke to um, to to, yeah, just do it on your own. You've done it. You've been out there long enough. So my plan A was to create Ferriotego, make it a small little business, kind of slow roll it and, uh, and give it a shot, you know? Um, and the reason that was the plan was because the idea of the old Nat Sherman brands, um, was really off the table. Right. What was very clear throughout the transaction process was the entity Nat Sherman International was for sale. The brands alone were never for sale. Hmm. But through the process of closing the business, um, myself and, and Nat Sherman's CFO, Brendan Scott, you know, I can't tell you how many times we 
we would find ourselves at the end of the day at opposite ends of this conference room table in the middle of COVID, you know, 15 feet away from each other, smoking cigars, having a scotch and just saying like, this sucks so bad. Like there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with the work, you know? That that has to hurt more than anything else. It, it was it, just it, so... It's not that we're not making sales or making dead... It, it's just... It's way above us, like like the reasoning. It's it's nothing that's controllable at a cigar level. It felt like, um, in some ways, it felt like uh, I was being hired to assassinate someone, you know? Yeah. And so it just became the work, and that's it, you know? You You don't ask who gave the orders. You just do the work. Right. Because that's the job to do. But I'm not a killer. I'm a passionate... Right. Drummer. You're a creator. Right. And that really was, um, that was a def- very difficult assignment. And, and as Brendan and I were, were obviously doing the work and executing on orders and doing what we had to do, um, we, of course, you know, we were pretty close anyway. We spent 10 years building this business right. um, with a lot of really great people. So to now have to disem- disassemble the, the business was, was challenging for both of us, really. Um, but of course we were also spending time like, so what are you thinking about doing? What are you thinking about doing? And so I was telling him my idea, like I've got this trademark. I think I'm, I'm going to do Ferio Tego as a little business and you know, he's a CFO. He could much easier for him to go find work. Right. Yeah. Um, but through the, through the process, the, it was a very difficult pill to swallow. And, um, you know, I had heard, I kept hearing these little, rumblings that that people were going to try and make a play for the brands Hmm. which makes sense you know of course now that we're going out of business i'm sure there were lots of you know opportunists out there that wanted to come pick at the bones yeah because now now you're going to get it at a bigger discount than you would have when you're trying to buy it whole maybe yeah you know who knows um and so i i said to brendan like maybe maybe we should ask if we can buy these brands and he's like, but they're not going to sell the brands. I'm like, I, I agree. But you know there's probably people out there asking if they're for sale. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's ask. Hmm. So we engaged and we put in uh, a very formal letter of intent that we would like to be considered if there is consideration to be had. And men, they, we got a call back immediately saying, are you serious about this? And we said, we're absolutely serious about this if there is, a, if there is something to be serious right. about. And, and they, it was a resounding, there is, there is no one we would rather have carry on the legacy of this work than the people who have done the work. Right. So let's engage. And we engaged and um, we had to work very quickly, Brendan and I. Yeah. But they also were very patient with us and they allowed us to kind of um, get our, they they understood that we were serious. They understood that we could do it, and we all we needed was just the time to form a company and like right. do all the legal stuff. Yeah, it's not because they weren't really selling it to anybody else. You know, the plan was like really if it wasn't you guys, like, yeah, it was just going to be shelved. So shelved. It was like, oh well, we have the opportunity to sell these to guys who are going to take it serious. So who cares if it takes six months or a year? Right. We're going to you know we're, we're making money on it that we normally wouldn't have anyway. It wasn't quite six months or a year. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a, a little closer timeline yeah. than that, but man, we worked really fast and we worked together 
And, you know, I think there is, there is sometimes this, um, you know, typical opinion of big corporate America, um, particularly big corporate America in the tobacco space. Um, you know, I have long been um, a truth teller when it comes to big tobacco, at least the big tobacco that I worked with, Altria, right. and and they're not animals. They are as passionate about what they do as we are about we, what we do. And um, and when they saw this opportunity to allow us to continue the work, they were our biggest advocates. And in fact, they continue to be great advocates. I get messages all the time. That's awesome. On, on LinkedIn, text messages. I just got a text message last week from an executive at Altria that took a photo of our cigars as Ferry Otego in a, in a shop um, in Richmond, Havana, uh, Havana Cellars. Hmm. Uh, not Havana Cellars, Havana Connections. Right. Uh, how cool is that? That's awesome. So it was, uh, it, was a, it was a crazy process, man. But ultimately, yes, that was a really long winded answer no but we we, were able to buy the trademarks and the brands formerly owned and sold by natural international and integrate them now into ferry otago and that required a much different idea than just slow rolling ferry otago and so uh brendan and i formed the company together and uh we funded it together it's just he and i and we bought these brands back and now Timeless is back in market, Metropolitan is back in market, and Ferry Otego is officially in market. So what, so I, and obviously I want to get to, you know, your two brand new brands, but what came first? I'm trying to remember in my mind, like what was announced first that you were bringing back these Nat Sherman brands, the Timeless and everything, and you were going to have stock on them, or did you work on your own projects first? What so kind of- I started Ferry Otego blends, production, boxes, everything before um, the announcement of Ferry Otego. Okay. Because I, that was January that we announced it. But once I knew, we announced in July we were going out of business, right? We went out of business in November. There was a lot of work to do, but there was also lots of work for me to do once I decided I was going to go on my own. So I had already engaged the factories, Quesada and Placencia specifically, um, on blends that I had been working on anyway to continue the development of those blends and let's figure out Elegancia and Generoso. I knew that was going to happen then. And so uh, Ferriotego was already in the works. And ultimately, after we announced Ferriotego, the company, we announced Ferriotego, the cigars in, I want to say like February or March, just of the the concept of what they were going to be. And then... um, then we announced, we engaged Davidoff as our distribution partner um, in April, May. And then the first cigar release was the Ferriotego Limited Edition, the very um, last week of September, something like that, followed almost immediately by Timeless Dominican Blends, Prestige, and Sterling. Um, then that was followed by the other two Timeless Blends from Nicaragua in November, which was the Panamericana and the Supreme. And then finally in January, we brought Metropolitan back to market. We had it in the warehouse, but the the rapid fire pace of release was, and especially at that time, it becomes a little overwhelming right. for retailers. We were in pretty regular touch with our retail partners. And so we said, okay, let's, 
let's get Ferio out, let's get Timeless out, and then let's take a hard pause and then we'll have something to do in January with Metropolitan. So you guys were in a very unique position in that, you know, you were obviously taking a risk with the new blends, like like any manufacturer does when they release something new, especially like a brand new company. But you also had these foundational brands that you guys knew you could rely on. And so within a year, it's not just, you know. What well, I don't know that we knew we could rely on. I think we hoped we could rely. I on. knew you could rely. Like, like, like I said, though, those brands have been. Big, they were big up until we ran out of them. They were big sellers. Yeah. So, but I guess uh, yes. when, when when it's when it's your company, you got to be a little more, you know, aware of the risk involved. I guess you don't. You know, there's there's always the outside. You're always battling with the outside opinion, bro. Right. And you know, the minute one thing changes on a cigar. People believe everything has changed. That can happen. Yeah. We saw it in 2018 when we when we did a full rebrand and we changed all the bands and packaging. People were convinced that we had changed uh, host because it, it was it had a new box. Uh, of course, it didn't. But you battle that. So now there was risk, man. I mean, being out of the market for as long as we were, and then relaunching it without the words Nat Sherman. Uh, you know, we hoped that we would be able to do it, but uh, we we were not naive to think that it was guaranteed. Mm. That's amazing. It's, it's a smart way to think. I'm a little more, I guess, I don't know, optimistic, but then again, it's, I, I don't have a company. We you were optimistic, I, bro. You know what I mean? Like I, but I, I get being, you know, you got to be more risk averse. Like, you know, it's, it's, you're taking a chance now, even though these things sold for, you know, 20 years, 15 years, like you yep. said, Changing of the brand, you're taking out the Nat Sherman name, which I mean, especially in an online standpoint, already hurts you in terms of searchability and all that. So I totally understand that. But now let's get to the results that you've seen, Espe specifically with. You were right to be optimistic. Okay, yeah, <laughs> you got to trust me, man. All right, <laughs> especially with the Elegancia and the uh, Generoso. Generoso. I want to make sure I was pronouncing it right. Well, it's a, I'm bro. I'm one of these guys that believes if we're speaking English. We should say all things in English. Right. And if we're speaking Spanish, then we can say things in Spanish. So for me, in English, this is Elegancia and Generoso. In Spanish, that is Generoso. Okay. But that's uh, the same thing. Like if we're talking about leaf position yeah. and we're speaking English, I'm not going to say Ligero. We're in English. It's Lejero. I, I was gonna to call. I was gonna call it the generous and the elegant. That's what I'm gonna call. Oh, it. that's nice. You can do that. Listen, <laughs> yeah. I don't care what you call it as long as, as you long buy as it. As long as you buy it. <laughs> so light um, one and the dark one makes no yeah, difference. Yeah, exactly. You have a but light yes, one. Elegancia generoso. Elegancia and generoso, and you went to two very established families. Now, obviously, you had uh, dealings with them from your time at Nat Sherman. You had a close relationship with both Quesada and Placencia. Yeah, and and let's be. Let me cut you off there. The Casada family has been a partner making Nat Sherman blends since the 1990s. I was already close with them and certainly became significantly closer when I joined Nat Sherman. Right. They were our sole manufacturing partner in Dominican Republic. Through the Casada relationship in 2011, um, I had known the, the Placencias. But it was through that relationship and on behalf of Nat Sherman that I was able to develop this relationship with the Placencias. And then there was a pre-existing relationship with Davidoff for Nat Sherman in the Honduran factory that makes Camacho. Mm -hmm. I obviously had a long-standing relationship with Davidoff having worked for them for 10 years. And those three companies have been our sole 
manufacturing partners since I joined in 2011. And as it came time to now bring Ferriotego to market, we went back to those same three manufacturers because those are the only, those are the three parties that got hurt the most right. by the decision to close. That was volume that just was light switch and gone. When we said that we had bought back the brands and we're going to restore them to market, all three of those manufacturing partners, and this is before we had a, a route to market or a fulfillment right. plan, when we just said we put our chips in the table and we bought these brands back, every single one of those guys and our printing manufacturers, the cigar rings, everyone said, whatever you need, you got. So, so they were they were your obviously for the brands that you guys restored, the Metropolitans, the host. But were they, they were also, they were automatically your first choice for your new blends too. You're like, I'm definitely going to Quesada and Placencia. I had, I had 10 years worth of right. work already in queue. There were blends that we had worked on for years that were just, you know, fun development blends. And I believe they're, they are two of the best factories on the planet that yeah. make handmade premium cigars. They know my palate. I know how they work. I know what tobaccos they have. We've developed blends for 10 years. Why on earth would I start from scratch when I, I have the two people who have propped me up for 10 years and they're willing to prop me up again from scratch on my own? There, there wasn't even another phone call or consideration. That's awesome. It was Casada, a, a thousand percent, Placencia, 1,000%, and Davidoff via Camacho in Honduras, 1,000%. That's one of those easy decisions where, yeah, it might be a personal decision, but also business-wise, it makes complete sense. They're two of the top-tier manufacturers. I mean, Placencia you know, and, and the Quesada, they're, they're family legacies. They're legendary. You already have the logistics and the business like plan kind of in place from before. So not only was it an easy business plan, like, yeah, this makes sense fiscally, logistically. It also is just like, a, re a reunion of a family as well. Like I'm going to look out for my own the way they looked out for me. So you don't. It, it worked out tremendously well for you. You don't turn your back on family. You don't. And that they are the Casadas are family. The Placencias are family. And I mean it. It really. Uh, it sounds silly, but but really there was just. I don't even feel like there was a like I made a decision. I really it was just like it, that was it was the next logical it. step. It was you, it was a, almost like muscle memory. Like oh, this is what we're going to do. Of course, of course. Yeah, this is. I feel like they are in in many ways my family business, and and I'm I'm proud to go back to my family and and make products with our name on them. And I can tell you right now, they did not let you down with these no, two blends. No, sir. Not even close. So let's talk a little bit about um, the Generoso and the Elegancia. What in terms of planning out these blends, did you plan out to have kind of two releases? You wanted a lighter one and a darker one. Like, like take us through the steps of actually planning out the blends. I love wine. I'm a collector of wine. It's a, a great, a great segue. I Tell love us how you wine. made the cigar. I love wine. I love wine. <laughs> uh, I love drinking wine. I love collecting wine. I love um, spending time with wine drinkers and wine makers and wine lovers, and I find profound inspiration um, for the cigar industry from the wine industry. One of the things that makes wine so unique is a any wine house tries to make um, their wines more or less the same every year. Mm -hmm. 
but embrace the fact that the wines are different every year based on whatever God gives him that year in the vineyard, right? Mm -hmm. um, and everything in the bottle is an expression of the year. Cigars are the opposite. Cigars are a constantly evolving blend of different vintages in order to make the experience identical year after year after year. I think there is something in between. Hmm. And that's what I'm trying to achieve with Ferriotego. My intention behind Ferriotego is um, to approach our offerings similar to wine in eliminating the need for decisions for um, some of the easier decisions to make. For example, here's a blend. Well, what size should I buy? We've eliminated that. This is a six by 50 in the same way that almost every bottle of wine you buy is a 750 milliliter. Right. Uh, how many should I buy? Well, a case of wine is usually 12. A uh, humidor of Ferriotego is 10 cigars. So we've made it easy. I love it's a six box by of 50 ten. box of 10 and it's is, a humidor is of 10. Perfect. But this is a humidor of 10, not hmm. a box of 10. Okay. Because the other thing I wanted to do for years my wine drinking friends um, and winemaker friends who enjoy cigars would say every time we had a limited edition, oh, this is great. I want to buy some. Um, can I throw these in my wine cellar? Can I keep these in my wine fridge? Like, how do I store these? And it requires work. Right. I wanted to eliminate the work. So every box of Ferriotego is a humidor. It has humidification in the bottom. You take the cigars out, you activate the humidity, you put the cigars back in, and you can put this in your wine cellar, or you can put it in your wine fridge, or you smart. can put it in your sock drawer. And, you know, six months from now, open it up, throw another humidity pack in, and you're good to go. So we eliminated all that work. Then the idea was to come up with two styles of experience akin to a red and a white. And the white, in this case, is the Elegancia. It is buttery and creamy and refreshing and graceful. Um, it has all the classic light white flavors, wood, bread, nuts. Um, but the body is so full and creamy, it is like a tremendous Chardonnay, white mm. burgundy, um, it's just, it's got all of that stuff so much so that, that if you were blind and tasted it just based on the presence of the smoke, you might actually think it's not a light repped cigar right. and wine can do that also for the red it's generoso. And we went with a Nicaraguan blend. Um, it's a Honduran wrapper. It's a, it's a blend that I had been playing. Both of these, I was playing with these blends for right. years. Um, that has a significant contribution of filler from Jalapa, which is ridiculous because Jalapa is really where you grow wrapper yeah. for its gracefulness. Um, and the Generoso is meant to be bigger and darker and richer and fudgier and um, more savory, darker flavors. But also with that same creamy mouthfeel. Um, and so both of them share that body and mouthfeel and grace into very different expressions of flavor. Um, and when you look at the great wine houses, they tend to have this sort of signature style in very different experiences. That's what 
we're doing with Ferio. And the plan is every year we will do a limited annual release of these two expressions in humidified boxes of 10. And hopefully that production lasts the year. But inevitably that production will be exhausted and another production will be released the year after. With the intention of keeping them the same experience, but also with the ability to allow for some some natural slight variation, yeah, yeah to, to and kind of allow it, each yeah. year to kind of have its own voice. I, I really, you know, I see that. What's interesting about this is I've seen that with some releases, for example, like uh, Crown Heads and the Las Calaveras. You know, every year is a different. They they do an entirely different blend, but there's right. people always comparing, similar to someone would do with one. Oh, I like the 18 better than the 15. Oh, but the 20 was really the best one. But you're doing it essentially. You're not. You're not changing the. You're not going to be changing the blend. It's going to be just the very similar blends. But you're going to see how naturally those have changed from year well, to year. Well, let's be. I mean, I'm a. I'm a good Christian boy. I have to tell the truth. We may change the blend mm -hmm. if the if by using the same tobaccos year after year. The experience is, diff is way the, too different. The, the experience begins to change. Then, of course, we have to manipulate the blend in order to pull it back to the experience right. that we want to preserve. But you're not concerned with it. It has to be 100% identical. No. Yeah. I'm looking forward to how they evolve. In fact, I was just smoking some of the 22s in the aging room um, last week. And, you know, it's, I mean, you tasted its elegancia for sure. Hmm. But there's a, you know, there's a, there's a touch of, um, a touch of change. You know, it's for sure elegancia. It tastes like elegancia, but when you taste them, Side by side, it definitely, it's a 22. It's not a 21. So it, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting concept and it's something that I think the industry is, I mean, it's already accepting and that, that leads to my next question. You got some big ratings this year. I mean, particularly I know from Cigar Dojo rated both of these in their top 10 and that's something to scoff at. Was this, and, and I know you're, you're going to remain humble, Mike. I understand that. But was this anything you were anticipating? Were you like, oh, these, these might get highly rated or were you just hoping to make sales and anything else was noise for this year? You learn as an artist um, that you can't create for your critics. Hmm. You just, you have to, you have to try and do your best work. And I've always tried to do my best work and my best work has often been met with negative reviews, you know? And um, that's just something you have to, prepare for and get used to. Hmm. And that was the strategy going into this. Um, I certainly had high hopes because I truly believe this is my best work. And obviously you want to be recognized for your best right. work. But the reality is we have gotten incredible reviews. We've also gotten some some pretty poor reviews. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, I'm not going to pretend that those didn't exist. Those did exist. And that means for whatever reason, not everyone is experiencing the same experience um, that others have. Mm. But I profoundly disagree with the negative reviews right. and I'm going to jump on the uh, dojo bandwagon <laughs> here. I believe it's my best work. And to see that come out in the dojo review, which is not one person's opinion, but it's a panel of mm -hmm. opinions. Uh, this is a true story. I was um, 
I was out that night and I ended up coming back and I saw that they were live and remembered it was the awards. And so I got on right as they were doing number four. And uh, my wife was there and I was like, oh man, I missed the uh, lead up to this. You know, I'll have to go back and watch it. But I really did not have any plan of, of being in the top. And then they did number three and it was the Generoso. And I knew that they loved Elegancia. Right. Because when we were doing this live, Jordan and Eric were like fighting over which one they liked better. And number three was Generoso. So you kind of got to like, listen, I know that they really like the Elegancia. So yeah. Generoso is So here. I, had, I had my headphones yeah. on and I pulled it out and I was talking to my wife. I'm like, babe, they just put Generoso as their number three cigar of the year. And she's like, oh my God, it's amazing. So then number two came out and it was uh, the Drew, I think. And I was like, oh my God. And she's like, what? I was like, I don't want to say it. And then they're like leading up to it, leading up to it. I'm like, oh my God. She's like, what? I'm like, I don't want to say it. You know, you don't want to jinx the perfect game. And then they're like, number one cigar of the year, Ferio Tego Elegancia. And it was like, you got to be kidding. And it was awesome. awesome. It was just awesome. And then we got a uh, new uh, brand of the year. Yeah. On top of that, it was crazy. It was really crazy. And it, it was, um, you know, you know, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to quantify what that stuff means, right. what it does. But, you know, I, I can tell you how I quantify it in my heart. And it's, um, it's profoundly rewarding to know that other people saw it the way we did as right. our best. Listen, there's, there, obviously you, you, you make the product as best you can. You, you, you blend as best you can to your own you know, satisfaction. And you don't look for pats on the back, but there is something about people who you respect and you respect their opinion validating it a little bit. It's not the be-all and end-all. It's not like if you didn't get rated, you were going to oh, shut the company down. But there is, a, you know, especially in, in an industry that's so big on respect, that somebody who you respect validating your choices and your and your brand. We got a, a tiny taste of it this year with with um, Blind Man's Puff. You know, we had our big 50th anniversary releases. We got two cigars rated there. And then Half Wheel gave us uh, one in their top 25 and also one of the best packaging awards. You know, we're a retailer. We're not used to it. Well, we never even anticipated this. And this was mostly the, manuf the manufacturers that all the work on this. So Crown Heads and Oliva, all those guys. But we were involved in it, and there was something about seeing like Half Wheel and Dojo like remarking on on these products that we worked on, where it's like, it's not just a, like like oh I need approval, oh I need this, but somebody who you respect giving you that validation, like hey you did a good job with this, it does mean something, especially kind of your first year out. These are your first two projects. I know you said it's the best work that you've done up till now, but if this is you out the gate, Mike. I can't wait to see with what you're coming next. But that's the but that's the curse of the artist. Well, that, that's what I'm going to ask next. What is next? What is next? You know, obviously, you guys now have a great foundation with the with the the Metropolitan and the host and the the Timeless. Um, question for you: Are you doing anything with the Pan American? I can't remember if I read. Yeah, it's out. It's out. Okay, I wanted to make sure that was out because you had set me up with a lot of the uh, the Juliettas on that. Yeah, so I, I couldn't stop smoking that cigar. We, um, I mean, of course, there are things in the hopper. Most importantly, 2022 and 2023 Ferio. Um, but there's, you know, there's, we have, we went from, we're a startup, right? Let's right. face it, we're a startup. We've been in the business now in market, call it the first week of October. October, November, December, January, February. 
So we've been in market for five months. That is startup yeah. world. But we also have nine core blends with 42 SKUs, and we're in over 500 stores in those five months. It's in, it's, it's, it must be a weird, it's interesting. It's, Total it's, identity yeah. crisis. Yeah, exactly. So we're a startup, but we're also propping up a legacy of work. Right. And that still needs to be sorted out a bit. And so we've got this increase in volume. We have incredible distribution. Thank God we have great manufacturing partners that are working with us to um, anticipate our growth. We believe that we will experience growth that is not typical of startup growth. Mm. Um, but we're still a startup. And, you know, I, I think back to all the advice I gave startups when I was a retailer, and it was go slow. Don't just come out of the gate, limited, 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 release, release, release. Uh, build a brand. Right. And that is advice that I would share because it's advice that I believed in and it's advice that um, that I operated under for Nat Sherman and I intend to do precisely the same thing. We are very thoughtful about what we want to put in market and we're very thoughtful that we're only five months old. But we also have to take into account that for some, we're kind of 10 years old. Right. And for others, we're kind of 90 years old. And, and so we are really trying to, right now, listen, figure out what retailers want from us, what do our consumers want from us, and to make sure that we are answering the call without jamming down people's throat. Right. And for a company that's five months old to release 42 SKUs, even though... Retailers have sold those SKUs before, even though consumers have bought those brands before. That's a lot to right. take in. So right now, our focus in is um, to build Ferio Tego, to build our flagship limiteds, to build our core portfolio with Timeless and Metropolitan and the nine blends that make up um, Ferio Tego's core, uh, and then look for the unique opportunities where we can add a little something fun, a little value, a little celebration without overwhelming people. I think that's a really smart approach. I mean, listen, you don't need me, need me to tell you, but uh, I do. I, I mean, as, as, as you can see, I'm just basically like the the broke version of Michael Herklotz right now. <laughs> but uh, no, no, I'm actually the broke version of Michael ah, Herklotz please, right now. Please, but I think it's a really smart move. I mean, listen. Obviously, the, the industry, I mean, it's an animal right now. Everyone's always clamoring for it. It's got to be the newest thing, the hottest thing. But I think there's a little bit of a media bias with that. I think the media, you know, not, not, not some kind of conspiracy theorist, but like when you just look at Half Wheel or Dojo and you see articles every day, new press releases, new things, it can be daunting. Like, all right, how are we going to compete with these guys who are releasing four or five, you know, new, new things a year and half of them are limited? How do we do this? News but, is, look, news is news. Yeah. But, um, Look at the stock market. Look at crypto. Uh, there, is a, there is a culture of meme fascination. Mm. I have no objection to that. It's just not our philosophy. Right. If, if your business model is um, this new one, that new one, this new one, that new one, this new one, that new one, 
congratulations. That's great for you. I don't subscribe to that idea. And I come from a world that has thrived with a different mentality, mm -hmm. which is when you're done trying to grab all the little shiny objects um, and they're nice and they're shiny and they're meaningful, then uh, you need to buy something that you can depend on. Right. You know, you can ride games. GameStop, what was that stock? Yeah, the, game, right? GameStop. the GameStop on, right. on Robinhood, yeah. It wasn't predicated on anything. It was shiny and meme and new. And a lot of people made a lot of money. It's great. But then people had to go back and buy GM. Right. Yeah, you know? it's, it's something that I would, I would invest my savings into. Right. right. I believe um, Nat Sherman International before us and now with Ferry Otego, we're core. That's our philosophy is core. You can buy a timeless prestige today and it is as good as the first one you bought in 2012. You can buy a Metropolitan Host Hobart today under Ferry Otago and it is as delicious and sweet and creamy as it was in 2011 or in 1995. And I would challenge you to find a 20-year-old brand or blend or a 10-year-old brand or blend that is as consistent today uh, as it was when it was released. It's tough to do, especially as a as a brand grows. They start wanting to make more to keep up with demand. And you know, once you start making more of something, the quality can diminish because you're not putting the same time, the same kind of effort into everything. Especially so, when you're pouring your time and effort into making new, 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 new. Exactly. Like the people don't understand the, the the logistics, the time, the money that costs. And when you're doing something limited, you know, you don't, you're not going to see the returns as, as you would with a, a Hobart or a Timeless, a Coraline that's consistently selling. You don't need to do some crazy new big launch thing. It's out there. It's going to be out there. So I agree with you. I, I like the strategy you're going for. It's obviously working out well. Um, five I, months, but so far so good. I mean, it, it, I think some of the best five, I mean, this is, this is one of the best five months I think any company, you know, any, any startup uh, has had so and that really i mean let's give credit where credit's due all our manufacturers came to the table we put our orders in besides for ferio which i put in last year or 20 what year are we in 2020 we put our orders in for metropolitan and timeless in 2021 i don't know a single factory that had capacity in 2021 right. yet all of our manufacturing partners made our cigars first got us in aging got us in the u.s and we had inventory in aging in the united states ready to go by the fall wow that is that's not what i did right that's the manufacturers who did that quesada placencia and davidoff that is huge um and then how do we get to market and have the success we did because davidoff usa's sales team believed in our product like it's theirs. It is theirs. It's part of their portfolio. And they delivered it to every shop in the United States with the same um, excitement and, and reverence and respect that they have for the portfolio they already sell. And that is a, 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 an incredible um, good fortune for us. Well, the, uh, like we were talking about before, the stars kind of aligned that, you know, it was more than just a personal decision to go with Davidoff for distribution and Quesada and Placencia. It was not just like, oh, you know, it's a family thing. It's also logistically, these are well-oiled machines. These are companies that know what they're doing. They know how to produce quality. They know how to produce quickly. They know how to get it out to market. 
So it was, it was, there was very little worry on your end in terms of the logistics. Like I, you're, you're trusting these guys out there. You take high quality products, high quality know-how and high quality people. That's how Ferio Tego wants to do business. Yeah. And you're doing it and you're doing it very well. I have to ask the generic question and don't feel pressured to answer it, but obviously you have these deep ties with Quesada and with Placencia. We are in a cigar industry now where you're seeing a lot more different collaborations, you know, different manufacturers working with each other. Um, is there any interest in doing a project with somebody else? And if so, you know, who, who kind of interests you? But, or you can just say, no, like we're, we're happy with where we are. Um, of course there's interest. I mean, I'm an artist. Yeah. Right? You can't, as much as I played with my band, you sit in with other people. So if there's an opportunity to do more, to get creative, to have some fun, uh, a thousand percent. I, I don't necessarily, unless I'm by, by some misfortune forced to, uh, I don't foresee moving what already exists. Well, these, yeah, these blends were developed with these factories. They've been maintained by the factories. There's no one better to continue to maintain them than the factories right. that have made them. Um, but I, I would certainly never be opposed to looking at other fun collaborative ideas. There's absolutely nothing in the hopper at the moment because mm. I've been so focused on just getting ourselves propped back up. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, you're talking about the opportunity to work with other great artists. Mm. As a musician, that's your dream come true. Uh, and so to whatever extent those opportunities ultimately kind of form over time i think it would be a ton of fun uh but you know right now um i need to focus on right on building your five month old 10 year old 90 year old company <laughs> right <laughs> exactly so here's now i got i got some fun ones for you first of all you're a drummer yep uh we know another great drummer in the cigar industry by name of nick perdomo yes have you guys ever had any kind of drum off or Anything like that. And if not, can we host one? <laughs> it's funny. Uh, he always sets up his drum set. At the trade show. At the yeah. trade show. And he's always said, hey, sit down, play a little. That drum set scares me to death. It's, I mean, Because you, you were like trained like, as like a I'm jazz. I'm a jazz guy. And I yeah. played a lot of rock, but I still play rock like a jazz guy right. I, you know as few drums as possible keep it tight keep it small i feel like i would pull a muscle if i right. sat down on that drum set and if you haven't seen it go search nick uh nick Perdomo's First of all, drum it's set. beautiful it's a beautiful it's Stunning. like a tobacco sunburst and we're both we're both pearl guys we both play pearl mm. drums uh so he's he's a great drummer we've never had a drum off is this uh, kit like Neil Peart's? Like it's just all, bro, all the way around? or? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's insane. It's monstrous. And it's perfect. It's polished. Everything is shiny. He yeah, must have that like- That would be intimidating for a, sure. A level or so. I don't know how he gets yeah. it set up like that every time. Well, probably because he actually has someone to set it up right. instead of you know having to lug it himself. But it's pretty impressive. We've never had a drum off. Um, I would not want to have a drum off with him, <laughs> but I would totally love to do a duet with him. That would be cool. I'm, I'm trying because there, are, there are some, you know, there's, there's pretty big manufacturers that are accomplished musicians. There's yourself. There's Nick. There's, you know, Matt Booth and Pete, um, Pete Johnson were both kind of, kind of. Matt and I mean, played together once. Did you really? That it was that. Awesome. I mean, this goes back. It was at the Chattanooga Tweet Up in like 2012. Know what that is. There's actually video of it somewhere, and uh, 
Dude, it was crazy. We had Gordon um, Crippen. I might be messing up his last name. I forget where he lives, but he came up and freestyled. Matt played bass. I played drums. There were some, I don't know why there were horns there. There were horns there. They started playing. Dude, it was wicked. We had so much fun. So much fun. Also, I would like to see you with Rafael Nadal, who's an accomplished classical violinist and pianist. Yeah. That would be... I would love. I would love it. That I, would be interesting. Well, we got to do some the, the comedy. Doesn't st- there's like a stand up comedian show where like a lot of stand up comedians who play music like play together. Yeah, we got to do some kind of like cigar band. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing like Battle of the Bands over here. And that's, no, but that I want to. I want to cool. like record an album with all of these. I sat in Rocky. Such, I mean, you, Rocky yeah. plays some drums. Oh, does Rocky? Does he? And uh, I usually he does a big sh- uh, party at TAA. Yeah. with a live band. So the last couple of years, I've jumped up and played. Um, he's jumped up and played. You, you have a, you still have a set at your house. I'm guessing. I do. Yeah. How often do you play? Not very often. Hmm. You should. If I here's you gotta, the thing, you got to work those muscles out. I got two beautiful little girls. Yeah. And a beautiful wife at home. If I have free time, which isn't often, I don't want to go lock myself in a room and play drums. Like right. that's the time I actually get to spend with my family. I got. I'd you. rather spend time with my family. Than I got. I totally understand drums. that. But I do miss it. Well, we're we're hoping to hear you play at some point. Like, Let's I'll, do I'll, it. I'll get a drum set in here. Pete's got one. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring it. I'll set it up myself. Justin, I'll bring my drums. Yeah, Justin knows. Justin knows how to play drums too. So. Oh, does he? Yeah, he's a he's a wonder. That kid isn't he? he? Is. Let's Mike, do it, Mike. This has been an absolute pleasure. Um, I, I don't think I'm the only one who was welcoming you back to the industry. I mean, you really didn't really leave, but welcoming you back with your new with your new project with open arms. You've already made such an impact. We're so happy that. You know, we're one of the retailers who's who's carrying. We look forward to a lot of what you're coming out with. Um, you know, the, the newest editions of the Ferios. Do you have any idea when the 2022s are going to drop? We're hoping um, uh, mid to late spring. Okay, so is that is that kind of going to be like every year? It's going to be like in the spring, or is it going to every year is going to vary? Ideally, um, it's going to come earlier in the year rather than later in the year. Of okay. course, this year we knew it was going to be late. Mm. Um, I don't know that we're going to commit to a time. I think ultimately, like with everything, the, the product kind of dictates right. when it's ready. If it needs more aging, if it needs whatever, we're going to give it the time it needs. Um, but now that we've got our feet under us, you know, we can be a little more strategic about how we do that stuff. So hopefully a little earlier in the year. Well, I'm looking, and especially after smoking, um, what I'm guessing these are the 21s, I, I'm, I'm very excited to smoke the 22s now that I know what I'm looking for, now that you're telling me we're looking for that tiny bit of variation. I'm very intrigued. We might even do a podcast where we smoke. Uh, and maybe, to be maybe clear, we're not, we're not forcing that variation. No, 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 no. We're, we're permitting you're, it. You're letting it happen naturally, yeah. which is the best way to do it. And we're keeping it on the rails. Right. But It's like jazz. There's going to be, you know, every time Bro, somebody plays the same song, there's a little, bit of a, you know, a little bit of a change, but they're keeping the essence there. That's it, man. Well, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Mike, thank you so much for stopping by. We appreciate it. Thank you. I just want to say to, to people who watch, if I may, um, y'all have been very supportive throughout um, the last few years, certainly in the in the unfortunate moments of closing a business. I can't tell you how, how uh, encouraging it was to get comments and likes and, and direct messages of, of support. It really meant the world to me, and and the encouragement once we announced Ferio Tego um, was also met with just resounding enthusiasm and support from what is clearly just the greatest community of mm-hmm. of people. Um, and so I just really wanted to say thank you uh, for that support and encouragement. And uh, as we now are back in market with Timeless, with Metropolitan, and of course the Ferio Tego. 
uh, every time you purchase one of those, uh, you're you're helping me, you're helping my family, and I'm I wish I could thank you every time you buy one. So just watch this part every time you buy one. But thank you for your business and thank you for your support of Ferriotego. We'll have them. We'll have them make a little clip of that and send it to you, so you can, exactly. you can post it. Out. That'd be perfect. All right. So thank you again, Mike. Yeah, always man. a pleasure. And thank you everyone for watching. Make sure to comment, like, and subscribe. And for all your cigar needs, including the Ferriotego, make sure to check out JR Cigars. Thank you.